All right, as the kids finish up getting their candy from Children's Moment, I'm going to uh, direct your attention now to the passage that we'll be reading today for our first Sunday in Advent. We're going to be reading from Luke's Gospel, and we're going to be coming from chapter 1, verses 26 through 38, and I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version, but I'm, thank you, he knows me well. Um, But I invite you to stand as you're able in body and spirit in honor of reading of today's gospel passage. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him to the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy, and he will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And then Mary said, Here I am, servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Now, unless you've just been living in a dark cave, uh, you've probably noticed things around town have started to be transformed from the fall, Halloween, Thanksgiving into the majestic Christmas season, right? You see all the decorations in town, the little banners that go up on the light poles. The city of Ridgeland's doing these weird little ornament things popped around town. If you're driving, you're like, what's this? But you're starting to see your churches. You're starting to see your communities. Everybody is starting to transform their houses, their lives, and getting ready for Christmas. You know, and for many of us, it begins the task of having to put the pumpkins on the road, all 1,000 of them that you had at your front doorstep, It involves multiple trips to the attic and questioning yourself, why did I put all this stuff in this spot way back in the attic last year? It involves going to find the best tree at the tree farm or involves buying a new pre-lit tree because it only lasts two to three years, okay? It is always that time of year where you start getting things transformed and ready for the season. Well, Christmas is definitely an interesting time. It really is. It is a time for the church, for the Christian church, to reflect on Jesus and his birth and to wait for his second coming. It's also a time where just your secular community starts throwing advertisements at you to buy things and do this and go here and be that. It's a very interesting time. But you know what? I always like to look at some weird facts. And you know in Christmas, how many Christmas cards are sent in America? This is why the post office makes all its money at the end of the year. Over 3 billion Christmas cards are sent out for the holiday season. Never would have thought that. If you added up all the gifts that were given on the 12 days of Christmas, it would be 364 gifts that would be given. Quite the Christmas list. 
The poinsettias that we're selling here at the church, many of you probably know they originate in Mexico, okay? But the ancient Aztecs believed they have healing properties, and they'd use them to treat headaches. In America, it's become a big tradition for the White House to have its big tree lighting ceremony. But we not always have done that. The first president to do a tree at Christmas time was Franklin Pierce, 1856. And the first official White House tree lighting ceremony was Calvin Coolidge in 1923. But interesting, Teddy Roosevelt, he was an environmentalist. He banned Christmas trees from the White House because he didn't want to cut them down. And apparently there's over 35 million living Christmas trees that are sold each year in the U.S. Man, we love to send Christmas cards and cut down some Christmas trees and have big lighting ceremonies. But it makes it great, right? Because without all those fun frills and thrills, what would we be doing in this time leading up to Christmas? We might be able to catch a nap every now and then. We wouldn't have to go to all these Christmas parties, right? But it does add to the fun of the season. It really does. But there are other things that we need to look at as well while we wait. There are other things that we could be doing while we wait. You know, waiting for the birth of a child, if you've ever been in that position, is always, an, for me, an anxious time. You're waiting nine months for the child to get here. Along the way, you're, you're prepping your house for the child. You're getting the nursery ready. You're having baby showers. You have the bag by the door ready to go at the moment's notice. And as the time gets closer and closer and closer, you just get more nervous and you're just like, is this going to be the moment? But there's a lot of things you do in that waiting and it gets kind of nerve-wracking at times. Well, we come to this story today and the theme for Advent for us at St. Matthew's is called In the Waiting. Because Advent is another time period where we wait as a church. The four Sundays leading up to Christmas, we're waiting. And so today we come across the scene here with Mary, the earthly mother of Jesus, a very important role and job for a person. And we come here in this story, and she is introduced to the angel Gabriel. Gabriel pays her a visit and shares with her some news that she was perplexed about when she heard it. It says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged or betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the, Mary, and the virgin's name was Mary. Okay, so we're in the sixth month. But what sixth month is this? Well, if you were reading before, you would have this scene where Gabriel visits Zacharias and said, your wife Elizabeth, who's been barren, is going to bear a child. And so we're coming into the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy here. Gabriel is still doing work for the Lord, proclaiming great things, and comes to a girl named Mary in a very unimportant town that was never mentioned before in the Bible until this point in the Bible. It was not mentioned in the Old Testament. It was not anything of importance. Nazareth, a town in this region, Galilee, and Jesus, though, would be known as Jesus of Nazareth from here on out. His followers would be called Nazarenes sometimes. Nazareth begins to get its point on the map because of Jesus, this lowly place where it's been said in Scripture, nothing good can come of Nazareth. And so angel Gabriel visits this girl 
and gives her some news that she just could not comprehend initially. She's engaged or betrothed to a man whose name is Joseph. And the interesting thing that we kind of just skim over, our culture is different today than their culture when it comes to engagements. You know, in today's culture, when a person gets engaged, there's no binding contract that's signed yet other than just a ring is usually given to symbolize the promise of a future marriage. But you can break off an engagement and give the ring back pretty easily. It doesn't take much. Well, in this culture, it took a little bit. To become engaged or betrothed, it was already that the man, the Joseph's father and Mary's father, have already had this conversation that it would be good for the two families to be married. So you needed the blessing of both parents. But then once you get engaged, there's actually a formal oath that is taken. It's almost like marriage light, okay? You can't just call off the engagement at that time. If you did, it would take a lot of work and taking back a lot of things. So it was a big deal. It was a real big deal in that culture. And so that will play into the scene that's coming up. Because she's a virgin. She's not been married before. This is going to, Joseph's going to be her future husband. But yet here comes angel Gabriel with some news that Mary did not expect. It says, And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was perplexed or troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. You know, I would be kind of perplexed too if an angel came to me and say, oh, Brian, the greatest of all men. I'm going to be like, okay, what do you have coming next? What is God going to ask me to do next? So here Gabriel is coming to Mary and saying, blessed are you among women. She has found favor in God's eyes among all women. And that's why Mary was kind of troubled and perplexed at what this announcement is going to be. What is the purpose of Gabriel coming to her in this moment? And then he lays it out. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He'll be called the son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There will be no end. And so he lays it out to Mary. You're going to conceive a son. You're going to become pregnant. And this is going to be the son of God from day one. You have been chosen you have found favor in God's eyes. And so this is going to lead Mary to have some questions in her head. Because as I said, being engaged in that culture is pretty much almost being married to the man that you're engaged to. And now she's going to be pregnant. And in that society, in that culture, that would have been a shameful thing to be pregnant before you're actually married. Married, married. And so I know in her head, and she knows Jewish law. She knows what the Hebrew Bible says. She knows that if she is pregnant and they see, the community sees that she's pregnant, 
there's a few things. Joseph obviously is going to have some questions. He may not stick around. He could, at that time, have legal terms to end the engagement. But she also can risk her life. She could lose her life because of this. It was a serious thing that was happening to her. And this is something that God chose her to do. And it was hard. Because Mary's response said, How can this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. She was barren. And now this is her sixth month. For with God, nothing will be impossible. And there's some symbolism here. When you see the word overshadowed in this moment, it brings back images of the Old Testament of God overshadowing his people during the Exodus and leading them in the cloud through the wilderness. She would have picked up on that. There was the moments of transfiguration when there's like a big cloud presence. God's presence will overshadow her as like as in a cloud. And in the moments she'll conceive and she'll be bearing the son of God. And so in order to convince Mary that this is actually going to happen, Gabriel says, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, who's also conceived a son in her old age, is now six months pregnant. And she was called barren. So the angel then would bring forth some evidence. Your relative, Elizabeth, she's pregnant. She's six months. She's showing. And she was barren. But because of God, she is carrying John, who would be John the Baptist. And so the angel would lay out an example of how, yes, this is now going to be something even more spectacular that God will do with you. As a virgin, you will conceive a child and it will be the son of God. You know, as I said earlier, all of these thoughts, all of these things should be pouring through Mary's mind of like, how is this going to work? What is Joseph going to say? What is my town going to think? You can understand that she may be anxious and nervous and confused upon hearing all of this for the first time. You know, for many of us, when we're presented with a challenge, when we feel called by God to do something outside of our comfort zone, most of us will probably hesitate. Most of us probably would be like, no, you don't want me to do that. No, no, no. I know somebody else that can do that really well. I'm not called to be that person. You really don't need me to do that. I'm not good enough. We tend to deny it. We tend to turn away. We tend to hide We tend to pause. And some of the stuff that we're probably called to do don't have an immediate risk to our own lives, to our own relationships, to our special loved ones. But Mary, but Mary said this, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. You know, she didn't hesitate. She said, if this is how it's supposed to be, then let it be so. I am your servant. Despite all the challenges that this is going to bring forth for her, 
And also being the mother, earthly mother of the Messiah, she said, let it be so. Let it be so. I am your servant. You see here, Mary in that moment had faith. She had faith that it would be okay, however it ended up. She had faith in the Lord God that sent the Gabriel angel, the angel Gabriel to her with that special message. That this is going to happen. This is going to be true. But she had faith that it was going to be okay. Man, wouldn't it be nice if we all had faith like Mary? Wouldn't it be nice to have faith? But you know what? We can have faith like Mary. We can have full trust and faith in God. But in order to do that, in order to put God's will above our own will, we've got to give up our own desires, right? Sometimes the, the nice laid out plan we had, we have to give it up. And that's tough. That's tough. Because where we are in our own society, we like to be in control of our destiny, right? We like that control. It's safe. You can control your outcomes in life. It's like choose your own adventure book. But even in those situations, you don't know how it's going to turn out. In reality, our feeble attempt to control our own lives is just a farce. And so in an effort... To be prepared for those moments in life, I believe we can follow what Mary is doing. It's something that we all can do, is that we need to have faith in the journey. We need to have faith in our Lord God, that when we are called upon, when we are giving these situations, and we act in faith, you know what, in the end, however it's going to turn out, it's going to be okay. It may not be what we envision it to be, but with God's involvement, it's going to be okay. You know, Mary, we know the story. Most of us know the story. We know the story in the, in the birth of Christ and how that went down. But soon after he was born, they had to flee and go to Egypt because King Herod was out there trying to get rid of the next king because he heard that there's a new king that was born. And so that he ordered all the children from birth to age two to be murdered. And so Jesus' family had to leave pretty quickly. And when they came back, it was an interesting time in the Roman Empire. Jesus' life and ministry was tough. It was never easy. And then Mary got to witness her son nailed to a cross. You see, she had a lot of challenges. It wasn't just easy all the way through. But you know what? Even though Jesus was nailed to the cross, God turned something good out of that. And in the end, everything worked out and was okay. So in this story here, when we see Mary being told this and we see her faithfulness and we want that same faithfulness in our own lives, how do we get there? Well, that is part of what this season of Advent is all about for us. It's waiting. And sometimes it's not fun to wait we're all in the world today where we like that Amazon Prime delivery to get here in a couple days. And when it doesn't, you're frustrated because you have to wait. That happened to me recently. I had to order some Christmas trees. They didn't come in when they're supposed to. They're still not here. I had to go to the actual store and buy them. I was frustrated. I don't like to wait. 
Nobody really likes to wait. The kids, I mean, from day one, they don't like to wait. No one likes to wait. We want Christmas to be here. We want to open the presents. We will move on to the next thing. In life, we don't like to wait. But sometimes, waiting is a gift. Waiting can be a gift. These four Sundays leading up to Christmas is called Advent because we are waiting for the coming of Christ. We are remembering the birth of Christ and the waiting that Mary had to undergo until his birth. But we're also waiting for the second coming of Christ. Christmas doesn't happen to December 25th. Society would tell you Christmas is now. No, we're waiting for Christmas. Christmas happens on December 25th. Because society wants to go ahead and rush us. And have us buy all these things and do whatever they want us to do. But we have to push back. We have to wait. Because in the waiting, your faith will grow. It's in the waiting where you can mature your belief in God and reflect on what it means for us in this season. It gives us hope. And so as annoyed as we are with the process of waiting, may we remember what Mary went through as she was told about this gift that she was having, the gift for the world that she was carrying and how she had to wait to see how it unfolded. And so may we, as we wait, grow in faith as Mary did. May we push back on what the world tells us we need to be doing now. And may we wait for God's calling on our lives and what his will is for us. And may we put down our plans and follow through with faith. Let us pray.